So this afternoon, I conclude a series that um, we began just in the middle of August, which is what is your heart attitude? And you would have heard um, over the last couple of weeks some teachings on the Beatitudes from the book of Matthew, chapter 5. And today I'll be speaking about preserving the truth and lighting the way. And I'm reading from Matthew 5, chapters 13 to 16. You are the salt of the earth, but if the salt has lost its taste, how shall its saltiness be restored? It is no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled under people's feet. You are the light of the world. A city set on a hill cannot be hidden. Nor do people light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a stand, and it gives light to all in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others, so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. Amen. So the book of Matthew, Matthew um, out of all the Gospels was writing to, uh, predominantly in those days, a Jewish people. Um, But although it was for them, it is also so relevant for us today, as all of the Word of God is. One of the things that I find remarkable about the Gospels is that each of them, including Matthew, they were eyewitnesses. They were with Jesus Christ as he spoke, as he taught, as he showed the miracles and the works of God his Father and the Holy Spirit. And I find that so exciting, and that's why I think it's so important that we understand um, some of what Matthew is teaching. The Sermon on the Mount itself um, incorporates chapters 5 to 7 of the the book of Matthew. And that's the whole of that is what they would call the Sermon on the Mount. And, And what it was doing was giving instructions on the characteristics, the behaviors, and the lifestyle of those who would desire to follow Jesus Christ. Interestingly, in the second century church, they heavily relied on Matthew's writings for instructions to new Christians. There was so much detail and so much structure in the way that he wrote that they could show any new Christian how to walk the walk of faith. So for us, there's still plenty of learning to do from this book. So let's look a little bit at salt. Now, the use of salt, it has many, many benefits, but we're going to look specifically at three of them, which I felt were important and and could match what we're about to learn about today. As Jesus declared, you are the salt of the earth. And salt is described as good in a couple of the other Gospels. In Mark 9, verse 50, it says that salt is good, it's beneficial, but if salt has lost its saltness, how will you restore it? Have salt within yourselves, the Amplified Version says, and be at peace and live in harmony with one another. And Luke 14, verses 34 to 35, again it declares salt is good, an excellent thing, 
But if it's lost its strength and it's become saltless, how will its saltness be restored? And then it says it's fit for neither the land nor for the manure heap, that men throw it away. So when it's good, it's really good. And when it's bad, it's only fit to be thrown away. Now, salt, one of the uses for it in days past, which we would not be aware of, most of us, where there was no refrigeration, salt was used as a preservative. So it stopped or it slowed down the deterioration of food. So it kept things in a good condition. It preserved. Now, salt was also used as a seasoning for food and as flavouring, so it would make food taste good and palatable. So it had a positive influence on food. Salt was also um, good for healing of wounds. And have you ever been cut and salt has gone into the wound and how much it burns? I, I'm a person, that when I was younger, I used to get lots of what we call on our tongue pimples. And I quickly learned that by putting a little bit of salt on that pimple, it would quickly heal. Um, when you've been to the dentist, you've had a tooth pulled out or you've got stitches. It's great for gums, isn't it? We'd be taught to bathe our mouth in salt water because they'd be healing in the salt. And people who perhaps had come from surgery would bathe and put salt in their baths so that that would bring some healing. But if you have too much salt, it can leave you thirsty, can't it? So when food is over-salted, you've had too much, you can be thirsty. So there are some good and bad about it. But here we really see Salt is good for preserving, for flavouring, and for healing. And we clearly understand that if it is not effective, it cannot do what it's purpose to do. So if it loses that, that power to flavour, to preserve, it's no good. And then Jesus declared as well that you are the light of the world. Now, the purpose of light is so that we see something that we couldn't see, normally due to it being very dark. So the presence of light in the, in the darkness is something that is unmistakable. And it's amazing, it doesn't matter how dark it is, the tiniest, tiniest bit of light you'd focus on, you'd see it. Look at the, 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 the dark sky at night, and then one star comes out, you notice the star in the midst of it. Um, when lockdown began, I had to set up a little corner of my lounge for an office. But the, it's very dark um, in, in my flat, there's not much light, and so I have artificial lighting. But I had to move my bedside lamp out of my bedroom um, and into the lounge so that I could have more light by my computer. And so, of course, it came to the night and I switched the main light off and I thought, how am I going to actually get to my bed without tripping over something or bumping into something? So my room's quite large and it's a good walk away. And so I put the torchlight on on my mobile phone. And to be honest, I was quite surprised at how much light it gave in the room. So light is a very powerful thing. And Jesus said that we are the light of the world. Luke 11.33 33 
also says that no one, after lighting a lamp, puts it in a cellar or a crypt or under a bushel measure, but on a lampstand, that those who are coming in may see the light. And so light is something that is to be seen. We need to see it, and it gives illumination. But we're not talking now about a torchlight, are we? We're not talking about an electric light. We're talking about the light of the world. And if you look in the Gospel of John, verse 8, chapter 8, sorry, verse 12, John 8, 12, he says, again, Jesus spoke to them saying, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. And this is the light that Jesus is talking about. So we see that salt preserves, heals seasons and light, which dispels the darkness and shines, is what the Lord is talking about. Let's see how Jesus Christ used those concepts of salt and light a number of different times to refer to the role of us as followers in the world today. One of the things that really jumped out at me as I was looking at the scriptures, it came to me as a declaration from Jesus Christ. He said to those that he was teaching, and as I said, relevant for us today, you are. He didn't say, try to be salt, try to be light. He didn't say, act like salt and light. Because when an actor has finished acting, he or she goes back to their normal self, don't they? So what are they producing? Nothing real, apart from entertainment, which I love. He didn't say, wouldn't it be good if you could be salt and light? Jesus made a declaration about his people. He said, you are the salt of the earth. You are the light of the world. He gave us our identity. He told us who we are. He showed us who we are and what we were to, to do. So the salt of the earth, the light of the world, the implication here is that if salt fixes things and it's good, if light illuminates and helps us to see, the implication is that there must be something wrong that needs fixing. Um, and that our world needs to change. And it doesn't, it does, doesn't it? Yes? It needs to change. So salt would preserve something that could spoil by being applied to it, heal wounds, bring life to dull tasting food. Surely that speaks of the fact that our presence in the earth must stop the decay that's going on. That's the purpose, to preserve. So whatever is decaying in our world, in the earth, it can be stopped by our presence, by us being in it and being active, like we're being encouraged to do in this house, to be active. We must preserve the truth of the gospel and multiple times today, I'm blessed to say that Colin has already said 
The answer is the gospel. So that's the truth that we're aiming to preserve in this earth. The truth of the gospel of Jesus Christ. We have to affect our communities by being present. We would be peace bringers. We will bring the healing power of God into situations. We will breathe life where there is no life in situations. If the Lord said you are the salt of the earth, I believe he's saying you are the environment changers of the earth. Bringing back and preserving God's order in society. Uh, Many years ago, I used to believe and I had a, a common saying that I would share with my work colleagues. I'm talking a long, long, long time ago. And the statement that I would make, and one of my um, ex-work colleagues today still remembers it, I would say, we are a product of our environment. And I thought it sounded ever so, you know, an intelligent thing and an pensive thing to be talking about. We are a product of our environment. Well, that may be true of the world, but I now know differently. We're not people who should be compromised and swallowed up by our environment. We are the salt. We're the catalyst that changes what it touches. Where we go, change comes. Where we sit, change comes. Where we work, where we move, we affect change as the salt of the earth. When it comes to the light, we're bringing things out of the shadows and out of darkness so that change can come. We have a role to play. So let me ask you, are we looking for areas where we can make a difference? I think certainly if we're really locked into the vision of the house, We are doing that. We're moving towards it. We're becoming a people who are going to make a difference in London and the world for Jesus Christ. And remember I said that too much salt can make you thirsty. But the question I'd ask, is our presence so dense in society that we're creating a spiritual thirst, a desire, a spiritual desire for God? Wherever you go, are you leaving somebody wanting something more because they've met you? Colin was talking um, about the fear and the awe of God this morning. But he also mentioned, and I think it was at the nine o'clock service, don't hold back from speaking out. So we need to go forward. We need to be who God has called us to be and who he's declared us to be. Also declaring that we already have a heart to influence our society. And the series is saying, what is your heart attitude? Is your heart full of the things of God, the plans of God, the cause of God, the purposes of God? Or is it full of other things? We know there are many agendas at work at the moment in society which need 
the presence of God. It needs the order of God to thwart those agendas and to turn them around. And if any of you were at our prayer meeting on Wednesday gone, one of our gentlemen, Kola, he was praying in the Zoom room, and he said, if we are not speaking, then the land will not be healed. Whether it's speaking, whether it's being present in another way, we need to bring who Jesus declared we are into the world around us. We need to be doing something so that the world can see Jesus Christ. In the book of Philippians 2, verse 15, it says that you may be blameless and innocent, children of God without blemish, in the midst of a crooked and twisted generation, among whom you shine as lights in the world. So that scripture is saying we will be blameless and innocent because we're covered with the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. It's his righteousness. But yet, we're to look different in the midst of that. Where to shine, where to be the lights. The light that Jesus um, spoke about dispels darkness and reveals things which were hidden. So our presence in society should be bringing Christ's light in, in to change the atmosphere. So for instance, this weekend normally, we would be hearing so much noise outside, wouldn't we? Because it's carnival weekend. We ourselves would be in a hive of activity, sore feet, sore legs by the end of the night serving food, and out on the patio doing all sorts of things to attract people's attention. We would be trying to bring light into the world. We would normally be breaking through an environment and bringing the kingdom of God to it. We'd be stopping people out on the streets, the evangelists, interrupting their flow while they're going about enjoying themselves. They're always happy to speak to people when they're happy. Or there would be something in the car park that would make people stop and say, let me come and have a look at that. And that's what we would normally be doing, being salt, being light in the midst of carnival. But we have to continue, whether there's lockdown, whether there's no excuse for us not to continue to be salt and to be light in the earth. I hope some of you will remember, as Colin and I were speaking about the coming 2020s a few years ago, he made a declaration. He was talking about the state and the things that we would see in the 2020s, and he said, the darker the world gets, the greater the light will be. That was an encouragement to us. Carriers of light, but that that light would penetrate darkness. That light would be the one thing that people would be drawn to in the midst of dark things happening. I could testify to that with some of the things that have taken place during um, the lockdown pastorally. The amount of people who have requested to join a cell who have never been in a cell. People who are new coming in and watching online and being drawn to us. People from around the world. There's something about being light when things seem to be so dark. There's something about... What, what, where can I get help? Where can I be comforted? Where can I find strength? And so they're looking to the body of Christ for strength. 
We are the answer to that darkness through the light of Jesus Christ. Ephesians 5, um, verse 8 says, For once you were darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Walk as children of light. And I was thinking about that great song, This little light of mine, I'm gonna let it shine. And I was thinking, but, it's not a little light, is it, that we're to shine? Jesus is the light of the world. He's not little. He's great. He's bright. He's shining. He's penetrating. He's powerful. So it's a powerful light that shines in the darkness. It's a light that should divert all of the attention away from even us, the light carriers, the salt bearers. And it's a light that should draw attention only to him and his goodness. That's why verse 16 of Matthew 5 emphasizes that our works, our deeds must be seen and that this is what will point to and bring glory to the giver of light. So being salt of the earth and being the light of the world, we're simply here to bring glory to the name of Jesus Christ. John 15 verse 8 says, when you bear, when you produce much fruit, and my goodness, if we're not about being fruit bearers in this house, we're not about anything. But when you bear much fruit, my Father is honored and glorified and you show and prove yourselves to be the true followers of mine. So I ask a question, do we really know who we are and what we're privileged to carry? Do we know what we're carrying inside of us? About three weeks ago or so, I'd popped out to have something to eat on a Sunday, and I was walking back across here, and I saw a lady crossing the road with a walking stick, so she had some mobility problems. But I could see she was dressed, and I, for some reason, I just said good afternoon, and how are you, and had you come from church, from Kensington Temple? And the lady said, oh yes. So I said, where have you come from? And she said she came from southeast London. And I thought, we'd only just opened up, and here was somebody so desperate to come. She said, I can't tell you how happy I am that the church is open again that I could come and hear Colin die for myself. She was so overwhelmed and so overjoyed. And then I said something that I normally say to people when I'm leaving. Well, God bless you. You know how much the Lord loves you. I would have just turned and walked away, but her face changed. And I could see that those words touched her, and she said, thank you. I really needed to hear that. Thank you so much. And she went off kind of lifted. And when I remembered that, I thought, well, light came to her, not Claudeth, nothing to do with me, but to do with the declaration that Jesus made, you are light to this world. And even to each other as brothers and sisters, we must continue to be preservers of each other. We must continue to be preservers of the call on our lives. And we must be light to one another, as well as to the world outside. We must be encouragers to one another. So we carry it. Are we aware 
of what we're carrying. As I draw to a close, I want to just touch on a few of the points. We must continually be the godly influence in our society. That's our role, that's our job. Continually influencing, continually changing our society. Again, I don't, I don't know of what, what other churches are doing, let me be fair. They're doing something. The body of Christ has changed due to this whole lockdown. We're, we're waking up, but if I say the word society, I immediately think of the giants of society. Some of the things that we're already involved with. The lawyers forum, the business forum, the arts and the media, the sports forum, education. We have people in so many areas, politics, that are influencing in their way. We mustn't stop that. Can you be an influence to a situation that a neighbour is going through? Will you whisper a word that might change that person's life? And you may never know that it did that, but it has. I remember a guy that was living in my block of flats. He wasn't living there. He was um, squatting there, actually. And he was um, doing drugs and all sorts of things and, and had somebody a bit held captive upstairs um, above me. That wasn't too well. And one day I just... I got a bit fed up of what was going on and I felt like challenging him. I didn't think about the danger of challenging somebody who could be angry and violent, etc. But I just stopped him on the stairs and I suddenly found myself asking him, if you were to die today, where would your soul go? I remember him saying, you what? I said again, if you were to die, by this time I start shaking now because I realise I'm talking to somebody that could do anything to me. I said, where would your soul go? And he said... To hell, I suppose. I said, why would you say that? He said, because I've done nothing good to go to heaven. So at least he believed in a heaven and a hell. I decided to write him a letter. And I wrote a letter, and I put it through the letterbox, to the man with the broken soul. And I gave him the gospel of Jesus Christ, and I said in that letter, if you ever find yourself in trouble... The Bible says, call on the name of Jesus and he'll answer you. Two months later, he was stabbed to death. I like to think that as he was being attacked, he remembered to call on the name of Jesus Christ and that I may well see him in heaven. Are we taking the opportunities that God puts before us to be environment changers? Are we doing what that declaration says, be a preserver of light, light the way, of righteousness. Thinking back to the teaching over the last couple of weeks of, on the Beatitudes, they contain the detailed instructions on how our hearts should be, what attitudes we should have, what we should attain. When we're walking in humility, when we're walking in love, when we're walking in meekness, we're not thinking about ourselves, we're thinking about God's cause and the society before us that needs such help. The difference between the Christian and the world has to be seen. One of my all-time favorite scriptures is, is Moses in Exodus 33, where it's the um, cloud by day and the pillar of fire by night. 
And Moses is, is arguing with God and making a declaration that if the presence of God, depicted by the cloud and by the fire, did not go with them, he and Israel would not move. Because he declared that the only thing that distinguished them from the rest of the world was the presence of God. We must bring the presence of God into the world because we are already distinguished by being salt and light into the world. It's time for us to stop acting out of character. If we are salt, if we are light, line up with it and be who we are supposed to be in Christ Jesus. Job said, I have not gone back from the commandment of his lips. I have esteemed and treasured the words of his mouth more than my necessary food. When I hear that, it makes, or it reminds me that everything I have, everything I want, everything that seems important to me can never be more important than the word of God, than the cause of God, than the things that God has called us to be and to do. Our heart's cry has to be, here I am, Lord, send me. Here I am. And I'm preaching to myself as well, please. That needs to be our cry. Here I am, send me.